0: We need your help.
1: I need your help. We need money for research. It may not save my life, it may save my children's lives, it may save someone you love. And it's very important.
2: The most impactful speech ever given in sports history, Jimmy V at the first ESPYs. Today is Giving Tuesday a global day of giving it's also the start of espn's v week as we continue jim valvano's fight against cancer we can all make a difference today by supporting cancer research which is needed now more than ever if you are able please give at v.org donate 100 percent of your donation goes to cancer research we get to sit up here every morning have our fun talk about football and all the rest of it and we love it and we hope that we some entertainment and joy to your lives this is the day that we do our best this is the week that we do our best to make a difference and we hope that you will help us if you are able with that we welcome you to hour number two we're live at the seaport we're brought to you by gray goose the squad is here Swagoo is ready to go monday night football last night finished in awkward fashion here we go jeff saturday and mike tomlin doing the coaching in indianapolis last night early second quarter steelers are up six nothing and then how about the rookie receiver george pickens nick with this catch
3: Take it to pickens pickens uh gets a little push off here but maybe i'm just a biased it db be- but still an outstanding catch the footwork there is pretty impressive
2: steelers working in colts territory and it's going to result in this Najee harris taking it home steelers up 13 0
3: Dragging two guys into the end zone with him, he's a big, powerful back from Alabama.
2: Final seconds of the third, the Colts are down 16-10. They got second and goal, and it's Matt Ryan to Michael Pittman and Indy
3: takes the lead. Great release by Pittman; he gave Matt Ryan a lot of space to throw that ball and makes a play in the end zone.
2: So down one. Here comes Pickett. Under 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, facing third and six. He loves the tight end, Pat Friarmuth, nothing not to love. Steelers moving the chains, and that's going to set up this. Benny Snell and the Steelers retake the lead.
3: Yeah, in the red zone, sometimes you think you have to throw the ball, but sometimes the best thing to do is hand it off.
2: So now under four (laughs) minutes left in the game. Colts backed up, down by seven. Matt Ryan, launch. Pittman, make the catch. Now we're in business. India 28-yard gain, and they're on the move. Now I want you to pay close attention to the clock at the end of the game. About a minute and a half to go. Colts have all of their timeouts down seven. Matt Ryan sacked. Ball comes out, but they recover. Watch the clock. It's about a minute 30 when he goes down. It continues to wind. They do not use a timeout. By the time they snap it on their next play, 30 seconds have gone off. Matt Ryan's going to take off up the middle. He's going to get within three yards, going to set up a third and three. Look at the time remaining, about 50 seconds. They again do not use a timeout. So 16 seconds go off the clock before they run their third down play. It's at 34 when they snap the running play to Jonathan Taylor, and he is stoned. Do we have an issue with the way he used the timeout's Nate?
3: I don't, but I mean, I could see why somebody might. I think that Jeff was uh, in the moment and trying to catch the defense off guard.
2: Yeah, the defense is what stops this. The clock is not actually what winds up beating the Colts, whether they got it wrong or not. The fourth down play, incomplete. Saturday wants an interference call. He's not going to get it. So the Steelers hang on to win 24-17. That's the A story. The B story is the way the coaching handled the clock at the finish. Here we go.
0: I thought we had plenty of time. I wasn't really concerned. We still had timeouts. So I wasn't too concerned. I really wanted to, I, you know, when he was going down, I couldn't tell where they were going to start him from going down, right? Like if he was going to get the first down and then we got there. Um, I expect this to get on the ball and be and have another play um, a little bit quicker than that. But again, it wasn't a, this wasn't a press for time. We just didn't make enough plays.
2: So you go. Another tough loss in the final moments. They lost to the Eagles. That way as well a week ago, so Jeff is now 1-2. and Marcus, how about the way the timeouts uh, were handled last night in the clock management at the finish?
1: I just hated not having a timeout after Matt Ryan run. Um, I'm I'm with Jeff. Like, you had enough time, and Nick said it as well. You had enough time to get some plays off, but I thought that's where your timeout should have came. It's third and three. It's a critical down. You're trying to get into a situation where you got a chance at a touchdown. And, guys, if you want to waste a down after that, after that timeout, if you get the first down, clock the ball. Like, you got more options. You just would have given yourself and extended the game. And really, that's what we're talking about, the extension of the game and also getting into the right situation. Guys, I used to love this movie growing up, right? Brewster's Millions, okay? Have y'all <laughs> yeah. seen it? Because it's a great movie. All yeah. right. Yep. Spend all the damn money, man. Don't leave there with zero timeouts left leave there trying to figure out every single angle you can to try to get this ball in the end zone the great throw to Pittman to get you out of the out of the end zone and get your offense started a big time run by by uh Matt Ryan and then when Matt Ryan slides man hey coach let's get this timeout man we may have something cooking right here but i felt like they were just rushed i agree that the clock wasn't the issue but i felt like you rushed and you didn't get your best football played in those last moments. That's my issue with it. So he's saying the call the timeout after the second down play, the yes.
2: scramble from Ryan. Again, the clock did not run out. Uh, they, they they lost the, the ball turned over on downs. But do right. you agree with that? Is that where the timeout should have been
0: called? Yeah, and you mentioned this last hour. This is a very inexperienced coaching staff. We know about Jeff's lack of experience, but also it's a brand new play caller. So I totally agree with Swagu, which is Get your best play. It's a gotta-have-it moment. And whether it's Jonathan Taylor, whatever you're going to do, take the time. So from a strategy standpoint, it gives you your best chance for success. The
2: more I watch that second down play, Dominique, and, and this is now the third down. But if we can, Alex, I know I'm calling for this on the fly. So when you have a chance, the second down play. Here it is, the scramble from Ryan. I can see why Jeff is saying, I don't know That's where the they rule down him down. down. Why is he yeah. down short of the yeah, – he didn't slide. He didn't slide.
3: He dove, and he wasn't touched till he got across. So. You give yourself up. You give yourself yeah, he, up as a quarterback. Yeah. You give yourself up. Knows
2: the rule so, yeah. so what you're saying is he's giving himself up yeah. in that situation yeah. and then short of the first down. Yeah. He hit you the down. ground. Oh, and, and no, right. sorry, so If he slid, yeah. then it would be where you
4: start your slide. right? But this is where he gives himself up right, right, right. There.
2: Okay, so he's a yarded so when he touches time. down. Yeah. Is where he's down. But he's my point is, up. Jeff, in that moment, it's may be short. wondering where exactly and I mean, the ball I think, is. I actually think that's is the another reason. reason that's the time time reason out.
3: to call the time yeah. out there to get that sh- that that decision made. But I don't think that it was a mismanagement of the clock, necessarily. You still have three timeouts A play, takes about six, five or six seconds. They have enough time to get it done. And the reason why I think that you hurry up and do that is because offenses are built for two minutes. They have a ton of different ways to call plays and change things. Defenses, as a defensive player, we only got base stuff. That's all we do. Yeah. So the offense, it's to the offense's advantage to hurry up normally. They still ended up with a bad play call and bad execution.
4: Yeah, my issue with it is the previous two plays didn't go the way the offense wanted them to, right? There was a sack, and then there was a scramble by the quarterback, right? So it, you're not you're not getting off the play that you want. So maybe take a minute to uh, a reset, right? And that, yeah. I think that's the whole thing. Even if you end up running
3: the same play, but you also you like it that much, but also afford I, the defense an opportunity to reset.
4: Understood. But Foxy, again, I that's, agree.
1: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
4: Bro. No, I mean the defense was doing what it wanted to do. The offense wasn't. I think it was probably time to okay. Yeah. Marcus, final word. Yeah, go. Foxy, word. The pocket. Foxy
1: I, I understand what Foxy is saying, and I, 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 I could see that, and I could see that thinking as a coach. But my thing is, you in four down territory anyway. Like you, you got to have this right. third down and fourth down conversion, regardless of if you use the timeout after while you're trying to rush a play. And I get what you're saying about the defense not being able to reset. But we ain't worried about an RPO from Matt Ryan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's fair enough. And that's really what it boils down to. So uh-huh. it may
2: not have been a good call in that circumstance. Our good yeah. calls here on Get Up are brought to you by Subway. And there were some good calls made on the other side last night. How about Kenny Pickett picking up his first career road win and his first career primetime win. He's now gone three straight games without a turnover after committing nine in his first five games. Sort of an overlooked rookie quarterback here in Pittsburgh trying to hold on to that job going forward. Meanwhile, let's talk about a quarterback on the other end of the age spectrum. Uh, Green Bay, uh, the. Packers are 4-8. They play in Chicago Sunday. Then they have a much-needed vibe. Here's the coach, Matt LaFleur, being asked about the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, who's dealing with a multitude of injuries. Can I ask why Aaron, with a broken thumb, whatever's wrong with his rib, but if his broken or whatever it is, why Aaron in that state is better than Jordan? As far as giving you a better option? I don't, think, chance that's, to
4: win that I don't think that's uh, what we're, we're arguing here. It's just, you know... We've got a lot of faith, uh, quite frankly, got faith in both of those guys. But, um, you know, Aaron's the starting quarterback. We'll take it one game at a time and make the best decision moving forward.
2: Okay, so we have got into this a little bit earlier today. I want to frame the question this way, Marcus. Gee, can
1: I say something right quick? Please do. All right, brother. Like, every time I listen to Matt LaFleur give a press conference or he talk about Aaron Rodgers, Literally what comes to my mind is, buddy, you have zero control Aww. over anything that Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Like, that, that is the first thing that comes to my mind. If Aaron Rodgers walks in that damn facility today and say, I'm playing with a punctured lung, Matt LaFleur ain't got no say-so as far as playing Jordan Love and keeping Aaron Rodgers off the football field. We have watched this movie play for two years. I'm yeah. sorry. I know that this is not where we were going, but no, Matt Lafleur, Matt Lafleur, God bless you, bro. And I know you got to get up there and try to say the right things. You have zero control whether Aaron Rodgers is going to play or not. All right, so go ahead, Gene. it's, what it's, you're it's an write. interesting scenario,
2: Mike Teague. I know what you're about to say, but but let me just. Frame this, make sure the audience understands it. 31 NFL teams are basically owned and controlled by one individual, right? Right. Everyone answers to one person, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, whoever that person might be. The Green Bay Packers are not. So let's just say for the sake of argument, Brian Gutekunst and Matt Luford decide we're sitting Aaron Rodgers down,
0: and I don't care if he doesn't like it. Then what happens? They're going to be held accountable by this board eventually, but they have a much longer uh, rope, to to your point. And... I agree with what Swagoo said, and I have the solution for Matt LaFleur, somebody I like and respect a lot, which is know what you have in Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, in Jordan Love to replace Aaron Rodgers. Just like when they moved on from Brett Favre, they knew what they had in Aaron Rodgers, who only played in seven games in three years. So if Jordan Love continues to play well, and he played really well against Philadelphia, then to Swagoo's point, Greeny, when Aaron Rodgers does whatever he's going to do, they can say, you know what, no, no. We, we can still run a- That's mm-hmm. not what Swaggoo said. Swaggoo just said, if he yes. walks in the facility today and says, I'm playing, Matt, then what? Right. They have to play him because they don't know what they have in Jordan Love. But if they do play Jordan Love and know they could go win games, they're not going to be held hostage by Aaron Rodgers' this behavior. Is,
3: this is why relationships matter. And I think the further you get away from the field and the closer you get to front office or being a fan, you start to think about players as like, Uh, Cogs, you can move around. Like, if they have a relationship with Aaron Rodgers where you can have that conversation, that's one thing. But more importantly, it's about the relationship that you have with the players in that locker room. They need to believe that what you are doing is in their best interest also. And right now, it's hard for me to understand how any player in that locker room would think that starting Jordan Love is in their best interest. And they are out there, like, trying to live their dreams, trying to have the best career they can have. And you're saying... Every game, we want you to put your best effort. We still have a chance. Go out there and play hard. The fans are paying the same price to watch these games. Go out there and play and put the best quarterback out there you can. I don't say this often, but it sounds to me like Aaron Rodgers is taking a very reasonable
4: attitude toward our <laughs> He stands up there after yeah. the game and, and they ask him these questions about, you know, Jordan Love and all. And he says, look, once if we're mathematically eliminated, then the time comes to have those conversations. And he said, I'd be open to those conversations yep. at that time, which is great news if you're the Packers. But I don't see how you justify, if he's healthy enough to play, I don't see how you justify sitting him down as long as you're not mathematically eliminated. I I mean, look, we all know they're not going to make the playoffs, but... There is a, an actual mathematical chance. Yeah. The, the teams in the 6th and 7th spot right now are, are the Giants and the Commanders. I mean, you tell me they're not gettable if the Packers so, can
2: run the table. Let me address. So I, let, I, I think there's a conversation to be had on this, but I don't think today's the day. Let me address Neek's question or, or, or the, the concern you brought up. Marcus, you're a defensive lineman on the Green Bay Packers, and the coach walks in on Wednesday morning and says, guys, we're, we're going to Jordan Love. And, and you know that Aaron could play. We're going to Jordan Love. We think that gives us our best chance. What goes through your mind?
1: Where them tickets to Cabo at, man? Whatever, I'm gonna book the trip <laughs> to Cabo. So Listen, and, and here's the thing: like I, I, both of these things can actually be true. Y'all know that's one of my favorite sayings. But here's, here's, here's what it really boils down to, and the reason why I said that about Aaron Rodgers when we first came off that sound with Matt Lafleur is because the decision is going to be made by Aaron Rodgers. Like, we could talk about what the Green Bay Packers are going to do, what their thinking is. Uh, This is about Aaron Rodgers and how he feels health-wise. And if he's healthy enough in his mind to play, he's going to play. And yes, I agree. I want to see what Jordan love has because I think there will be exploration for Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers' trade this offseason. I think that talk will kind of conjure up a little bit. But more importantly, this is going to be dictated by the guy that's making $50 million, not the mm-hmm. coach that 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 whole future has been determined by the guy that's making $50 million. Super quick, Mike. Go ahead. Finish. I agree with what Nick said. Players know,
0: but Jordan Love's a different player than he was two years ago. Just like the Jet players knew that Zach Wilson couldn't go out there, Jordan Love is a better player today than he was. At the end of the day, if and when Aaron
2: Rodgers has sat down for the rest of the season, will that be announced by the coach at a press conference or by Rodgers himself on Pat McAfee's show? <laughs> That's the question Smart Money Says Tuesday. Yes, As we Rodgers. continue in a moment, it has gone from bad to even worse in Denver. The defense may be turning on the quarterback. Are the Broncos and Russell Wilson completely broken? We will take you there. Plus, did a stunning loss, followed by a stunning tweet, reveal a big problem in Baltimore? What's going on with Lamar and the Ravens? We are back on Get up, and our game is called Bad Week or Bad Sign. Dominique, the Giants lost to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Was that a bad week or a bad sign?
3: Well, I mean, I think they have a series of bad signs. Losing to the Cowboys isn't a bad sign, but the injuries that they've had and them being exposed for the deficiencies that we pointed out uh, for this team in the last couple weeks I think is a bad sign. But they've had a great season so far over a team.
2: Mike T., uh, the Patriots losing
0: to the Vikings on Thanksgiving. Was that a bad week or a bad sign? It's a bad sign. It's about this guy right here. I'm just shocked how bad Mac Jones played. We're sitting here last week in November, and currently Mac Jones has more interceptions than touchdown passes, and I didn't see that coming. So they got to turn this around real quick if they have any hope.
2: Swagu, the Ravens lost to the Jaguars on Sunday. Was it a bad week or a bad sign?
1: Bad sign, man, because they've given up so many leads this season, and championship-caliber teams don't do this. And they've done it too often. The Ravens should damn near be undefeated or sitting there with one loss right now on the season. But they continue to find ways to lose games. A fumble late in this game. Missed opportunities early in this game. This is a bad sign for the Ravens when you know in the AFC you're going to have to deal with Kansas City and the likes of the Buffalo Bills. The Bengals are starting to come on in their own division. So it's a lot going on. It's a bad sign for the Ravens, man.
2: And for those who are not aware, after the game – There was someone on Twitter who tweeted that the Ravens should let Lamar Jackson walk. Just the sort of very typical stuff that you hear on Twitter. And Lamar Jackson responded with a tweet that was extremely vulgar and has since been deleted. We can't show it to you because there's not a word on it. We wouldn't have to bleep off of the screen. So yesterday they asked John Harbaugh about that in particular. And here's what the coach said.
5: Just beg guys not to, you know, not to get into the Twitter world right after the game, especially after a loss. It's never going to be positive. It's not going to be a nice place, you know? And uh, I think that's kind of reflected in, in Lamar's response because what he said was just so out of character for him. That's not the way he speaks, it's not the way he talks, it's not the words he ever uses. I've never heard him say things like that before.
2: So, so the, the situation, look, John Harbaugh and I are approximately the same age. So we both live in a world in which Twitter is not the real world. That, that's, that's, that's this other universe in which all this craziness goes on. But I fully understand that Lamar Jackson is of a generation right. where that feels like a very real world.
3: So what is your reaction to this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, it's surprising. It's disappointing. I, I think that it, it speaks to how Lamar Jackson felt like that game went. Because he knows that the criticism is going to fall on him. And he knows that this season, every game is a referendum on how much money he does or does not deserve. Mm -hmm. But if you watch that game, like Lamar Jackson feels like he's doing the best he can with what he has out there. Like there were a couple drop touchdown passes. And the guy that he normally can trust. And not only were there a few drop, drop touchdown passes, he led them on the game-winning drive and gave his defense a lead in, um, in, at the end of the game that they could not hold on to. So then to go on to the Internet, which he probably should not have, but to, to get the feeling that the conversation coming out of that game is that I don't deserve my money. Like I, I'm certainly not condoning what he did or what he said and would not suggest that he, he does um, respond to people like that, but I can understand after that game feeling like me? Y'all blaming me?
2: Look, we all knew, Marcus, going into this season, that the contract, by, by not coming to a deal, both sides knew. The team knew and the player knew. This is going to be a story. It's going to hover over the season no matter what. How do you think that impacts what we are seeing here?
1: It's more pressure than just winning games. That's what it says to me. And, look, there's no excuse for what Lamar responded with on Twitter. And that we we don't need to make one. He know that it was wrong. That's why the tweet was deleted. And I'm one of those guys. Me and Foxy has had a number of conversations, and he's got me more in touch with my emotional side because he told me Aww. men can be emotional <laughs> and Aww. we can have feelings. But but, but, but but G, Foxy knows this, and you guys know this up there. I just don't give a damn about what people say on social media. It does not bother me one iota. And to your point, G, this generation has this, they, like, this is their world. To your point. Yeah. And for Lamar to come, all of these dudes go straight to their phone after games. They all try to claim that they tough and it don't affect them, but it does. And this response by Lamar Jackson lets you know that it's more, to to Nick's point, this is about the game, but this is also about this this contract and this offseason and what Lamar is feeling pressure-wise as far as getting that done. Man, when you got quarter of a billion dollars sitting on the table, and you haven't, you haven't got that done, and you don't feel like the appreciation is there, and I guess in some fancy, it's more than just winning these games. He's playing well enough, but ultimately, this is what it, it comes to when these guys suffer or when they struggle or when their team struggles. They go to social media to try to either find validation or they find these tweets where people are talking about them crazy, and they don't manage it well from a psychological standpoint, yeah. and this is the response.
4: Right, and the tweet wasn't about his performance in the game. It was about his contract. So that's I understand right. that that's yeah. what he's
3: responding to, uh,
4: and that's obviously what's on his – it, con-
3: it was about the contract connected to his performance. There
4: were probably a lot of tweets about his performance that right. he didn't respond to. He responded right. to one about his contract. Yeah. Like, they shouldn't pay him was, was the premise here. What I would say to Lamar is, look, you're a businessman. You're your own agent. You You want to represent yourself here, right? Like, there is no benefit to you in having any conversation at all with anyone on Twitter ever, period. Don't do it. There's nothing to gain. And everything to lose. And that to me is, if you're John Harbaugh, that's the message you're trying to send. Like, look, yeah, I understand you're upset. There's a reason they keep the locker room closed for ten minutes after the game. It's called a cooling-off period before they let us in to ask questions. Put in your own cooling-off
0: period. Don't go on Twitter till the next day. Just, Yeah, there's something very fundamental here. You're not the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. You're the CEO. You're the face of the franchise. Don't stoop to the level of people that are going to be jealous that are just rooting right, against you. And, and that's what there's a time and he's a place to address your This trip. is where
3: I'll push back a little bit. Yes, he should not do that. But you guys are implying that Lamar Jackson was affected by what this person said. What I'm telling you is Lamar Jackson knows that that's what people are thinking, people who actually matter. Right. He's not talking to that person. Interesting. He used that opportunity to tell whoever the decision makers are and us people up here who are talking about him and influencing the way that people feel about him to let y'all all know what y'all can do if you're suggesting that he does not deserve the money that he's so. But well, Foxy, Foxy, Foxy a job. But the point is, he's talking
4: was, to all he of you He's so over-the-top angry that yeah. it seems like it's directed at the guy. Yeah, it's not at him. him.
3: He don't care about that, man. I he don't know, know. If it, it was he that calculated, he it probably wouldn't have been quite about the same. It. All
2: right, I'm up against the bottom of an hour. I'd love to continue this. It is a conversation he's that will done. continue. We'll see how things go in Baltimore going forward. In the meantime, there's another place where things aren't going so well for the quarterback, and that is Denver, where the defense now appears to have turned on Russell Wilson. Are the Broncos and their QB? completely broken. We'll get there. And here's a little sneaky hembo for Graziano. Let's go, Dan. Which coach quarterback tandem from the NFC all time won the most playoff games together? That's the question. The answer is next. Get up on ESPN. All nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab wonderful pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. you for a limited time only at dell.com deals. That's dell.com deals. All right, Graziano, I'm hearing a lot of guesses yeah. running around the studio. So which all-time yeah. coach quarterback duo not, yeah. not current yeah from the nfc won the most playoff games together consulting my consigliere uh
4: dominique foxworth we were talking about who it could be right like 49ers come to mind i even thought maybe you know aaron Rodgers, mike mccarthy they won a lot of games together but i'm going way back and my guess is going to be Roger Staubach and Tom Landry.
2: Oh. <laughs> That's right.
4: That's what It is. it is. It's, we got it, baby. That is so good. We did dreamwork.
2: it. It's the dream work. That is so good. It is Landry and Staubach. Walsh, Montana. McCarthy Rogers. Look at McCarthy that. and Rogers are on the list. Look at that number. top three. Uh, also on the Come list. On. Well done. Are Pete Carroll three. and Russell Wilson are pretty high on that list which is by the so way we're going to talk about Wilson later by the way Brady and Belichick beat six NFL team NFC teams in the playoffs too that's that's true before. they probably even though they're be on AFC that team. list one way or another yeah. it is not an overreaction to say you are the best at this game best. of anybody in the meantime let's do some other overreactions on overreaction Tuesday I'll say something but I think people are generally saying, and you tell me if that's something is an overreaction. If I said Tampa Bay is going to miss the playoffs, is that an overreaction? thinking with yes, it's an overreaction. But man, do I wish they would look
4: good just one of these weeks and give me a little more confidence. This is not about my confidence in Tampa Bay. It's about my lack of confidence in the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints, who I think all have bigger problems. If you're going to bet on one of these teams to figure it out before the end of the season, I'm still taking
2: Tom Brady. Yeah, team. probably the one but that, that Tom Brady plays quarterback for. If I were to say the Bengals are going to win that division again, would that be an overreaction? It's not an
4: overreaction. The schedule favors Baltimore. They have no games left against winning teams until they play the Bengals in Week 18. Meanwhile, the Bengals are playing the Chiefs this week. They have a gauntlet. But that doesn't matter if the Bengals are beating the Titans and the Ravens are losing to the Jaguars. The schedule advantage doesn't help you if you're not beating the bad teams while the other team's beating the good ones. The Bengals have a lot of confidence right now. They feel great about
2: themselves. Don't let them win that game against the Chiefs this week or it's going to get real scary. And then finally... If someone were to say the Broncos need to bench (laughs) Russell Wilson, would that be an overreaction? Would that someone be uh, Broncos lineman uh, Mike Purcell, who was uh, yelling at Russell Wilson? Look, I say
4: not an overreaction. I will say this. I think there's a 0% chance it happens, give or take zero. I don't think there's any way it happens. But, I mean, take the name off the back of the jersey. The the way this guy's performing, we would be having that conversation. That offense is terrible. Right. I I understood. Hembo sent me a stat. He's lost four games this year where his his defense gave up 19 or fewer. Embo left. He quit because I beat him. Yeah. (laughs) The the last guy to lose that many such games this season was Deshaun Kaiser for the 0-16 Browns in 2017. Look, he's
2: been that bad. We all understand the name on the back of the jersey does matter. This is the kind of contract and the kind of quarterback who wind up getting two coaches fired. The first of them is Nathaniel Hackett, who yesterday was asked about why the quarterback is playing so badly.
0: It's a combination of a lot of different things. Um, it
2: is there is some uh, semblance of newness with this whole group, and we've had a lot of changes. We need to get him, you know, the confidence back to be able to make the plays that he can make. But he's, uh, you know, he's out there and he's fighting every single play. You know, I give him so much credit. You know, he's taking a bunch of hits, and it's because
0: he's trying to do everything he can to make a play. Everybody's got to play better around him.
2: Oh, my God. I mean, that, that is just an unbelievable look. I get it. I mean, you have to say Swagu. you can't just throw your quarterback under the bus when they're paying him a quarter of a billion dollars. But, Marcus, watching Russell Wilson play and hearing the coach say, oh, my, he's doing everything he can. It's everybody's fault but his. How's that one going to play in the locker room,
1: Swagoo? It ain't going to play, G. Russell Wilson got paid $250 million. Okay? Not to be this bad. You gotta be the constant when everything is going Mm -hmm. all hell breaking loose around you. You gotta be the guy to bring these guys out of it. And look, we all we all can sit here and understand that Nathaniel Hackett deserves some blame. Some of this offense deserves some blame, guys around him. But most importantly, you get this type of money as a quarterback to overcome a lot of these things. And Russell Wilson himself, the individual, is playing the worst we've ever seen him play in his career. That's a fact. That's not something that somebody is making up because they don't like Russell Wilson or like when he say, let's ride. The fact is he looks (laughs) terrible, okay? And there are quarterbacks around this league that would be better suited to handle this that doesn't have Russell Wilson's resume. When we look at the Denver Broncos... From now until Russell Wilson is gone, we are going to tailor the success based on the way that he plays. That's just the reality. And the reality right now is Russell Wilson is the main culprit of why the Denver Broncos look like this from an offensive standpoint. Is that right? Is
2: this more on Russell than it is on anybody else?
3: It feels like it, but I think Nathaniel Hackett's in a tough spot because in that situation, (laughs) the best thing that you can do is take the blame yourself, but he can't take any more blame either because his job's in jeopardy. So you can't blame your quarterback, because we know that Russell uh, will make it known that he's not happy with your performance and he'll force his way out or whatever. He knows that he can make a mess because he has so much money, so much power, and the organization committed to him. You can't take the responsibility because your job's in jeopardy. Right. So you start blaming everyone else. It's a bad spot to be in to walk into that locker room tomorrow when they start game planning for this game this week the mood in there is going to be pretty terrible. Let me ask Mike T, because, I mean, on
2: some level, we would all like to say, well, every player's contract is what it is, but they should be treated based upon the way they play. We all know that there are exceptions to that. So how does... Russell Wilson's contractual status. Again, he signed a $250 million extension before the season began, and they traded everything in the world to get him. How does that impact the way this is handled
0: now? Yeah, it, it does. Everything. And to Nick's point, you know they've already added Jerry Rosberg. They've changed play callers, so they're going to have to change the coach and then do everything they, they can Greening, for the next couple of years to make him at least serviceable, because they can't do anything at least until 2025. So because of that, offensive linemen, wide receivers, the exact scheme he rants it out there's absolutely nothing else they can do because of this contract listen dan we see you every day with these answers to these questions you know football history when I mean,
2: i'm seeing people ask the question aloud is this going to turn out to be the worst trade ever right is, right? That, is that a reasonable question to be asking right, right now the 2023 first round pick
4: that the seahawks out in that trade would be the fourth pick in the draft and it could go higher I mean, imagine that. If that ends up being the first pick in the draft, then I think you have to say it's a strong candidate. Look, I've talked to a lot of people around this situation. couple things. Everybody who's around there says Nathaniel Hackett, relentlessly optimistic and positive. Like, he's he's going to take the high road. He's not going to throw Russell Wilson under the bus. Fair enough. That's how you want to be, even if it's going to end up costing him his job. The other problem is, like, people want to see Russell Wilson in a different offense next year. The problem is, Russell Wilson isn't operating within the construct of the offense. He's, like, and he's not operating outside of it like he used to do in, in Seattle when he was younger and could run around better. So I don't know that a new offense is going to be the answer.
2: The bottom line of it is we had the stat yesterday. I'll give you another Hembo stat to finish the conversation. They score touchdowns, their offense, at a lesser rate than the Cleveland Browns team that finished 0-16. Yeah. That team scored touchdowns more frequently than this team does. That's not so good. It's not just bad. It is historically terrible. That said, the coach sounds like he thinks the quarterback's getting hit too much. Maybe he needs new security. Roll
1: (laughs) it. (laughs) I know some people in this league need security. Everybody ain't getting dumped around here. This long gone mother law, he needs a new security guard. They better find somebody quick. Athleticism is a trait of being a security guard. And when you don't have none, you get your quarterback killed. by a little guy. Like when the big dude run up on one of the little dudes, and then you find out he's a damn MMA fighter, and you get beat to sleep. You need new security. All right, let's see who got beat to sleep this week. We all love that open. Here we go. Swaggu. new security, take it away. Hey, man, it was some good performances this week by some big fellas, and the first place I'm going to go is Miles Garrett because oh, this gosh. is why they give you $100 million to close games out. This may be the most unathletic 45-year-old I've ever <laughs> seen on this particular play with Tom Brady falling, but Miles Garrett getting around the corner, bending the edge, and getting to Tom Brady oh. in critical times in the football game is why Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett. Tom Brady, you need new security, and you going to need more. Now that Tristan Works is hurt. Damn, I'm sick for Tom, man. 45. Hey, make this your last dance, man. Next, I got the big fella, Chris Jones. Did y'all see him? Damn, they take the handoff. Hey, and by the way, G, you know I like money. You know yeah. I love to get paid. This made Chris Jones $1.25 million. And sometimes Ooh. in order to get your damn money, you got to run through security because you got to get in the club, you got to secure the bag, and you got to walk out with it like ain't nobody going to do you nothing. Uh-huh. And that's what Chris Jones been doing all season. He got 10 sacks, and on that particular sack right there, he got $1.25 million mm. of a bag because he don't give a damn about security. Put anybody up there you want to put up there. And last but not least, James uh-huh. Houston. This, first of all, this is a great story. This man had two sacks on his mom's birthday, but he not only Go had on. two sacks. He had two sacks against Josh Allen. All right? This was his first time playing, guys. This was this man, the hustle man, is what I think of the <laughs> name, James Houston. When I looked at it at first, I was like, did Justin Houston get traded from the Baltimore Ravens to the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions? No, it was James Houston, and Josh <laughs> Allen needed security. Josh Allen played, made great plays down the end of this game. But James Houston, much respect and much love to you for getting two sacks on Josh Allen and making sure that he needed new security. Y'all, this been, has this been You Need New Security this week. One dude made $1 million. Miles Garrett is worth $100 million that got a sack. And we got a guy that came off practice squad and got to Josh Allen twice. You need new security. Take that Jeff Saturday while you (laughs) ain't calling timeouts after a 14-yard run.
2: There we go. Yeah, we used to call it Swagoo's Revenge when Jeff would do the pancakes on here. We'll find some way to fill that hole at some point. All right, a great work there. As we continue here, a reminder: we got good college basketball coming your way. What a busy little moment in time we got. We got the ACC- Big Ten Challenge. We got Illinois and Syracuse tonight, 7:30, followed by Virginia and Michigan. Two great matchups. You can see it all on ESPN and the ESPN app. Coming up next, we talk about Monday, Dan. How about Tuesday, Jerry? The Cowboys are rolling. Not everyone's convinced they're a finished product. You have to hear what Jerry Jones said on his radio appearance today about a move they might just make. That's next.
5: Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
2: Well, today is Giving Tuesday, which is a global day of giving. It's also the start of our V-Week when we continue Jim Valvano's fight against cancer. We can all make a difference today by supporting cancer research, which is needed now more than ever. If you are able to, please give at v.org donate 100% of your donation. Every penny goes directly towards fighting cancer. All right, we continue on Get Up. The game is called Fact or Fiction. Hey, Dominique, if I said the NFC East is going to put all four of their teams in the playoffs, would that be fact or fiction?
3: Uh, there's a chance, but I'm going to go with fiction. Uh, and I think the team that lets us down is going to be the Giants. Things have started to unravel a little bit. For them and they've started to get in a situation where they need some more help but more and more players are getting injured and Saquon Barkley as the season goes on expecting to continue to carry this load is a bit much so I
1: think if one of these teams drop out of this step.
2: Dragu if I said Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC would that be fact or
1: fiction? That's a fact G. Based on the way that he's playing his poise his control the step that he's taking in throwing the football downfield, taking those chances and trusting those receivers and we just saw him to the tune, use his legs to the tune of 150-plus. Right now, Jalen Hurts is playing quarterback at the highest level in the NFC.
2: And then Tanabam, if I said the Cowboys' defense is good enough to carry them to the Super Bowl, would that be fact or fiction? Fact, right
0: there. Yeah. Micah Parsons, not only are they second in points allowed, Greeny, but they turn the ball over. Strip sacks on the back end, uh, on the front end, interceptions on the back end, and because of that, Alone, this unit could take them all the way. I told you earlier this morning
2: that ESPN just today released our rankings of the best players in the NFL under 25. Number one on that list is Micah Parsons, the best player in the sport that young. So we know how good the defense is. The question is, do they need help on the offensive side? Jerry Jones did his regular Tuesday morning uh, radio appearance today, was asked about Odell Beckham Jr. and whether or not he's concerned that OBJ is visiting other teams. Here's Jerry. Not at all not at all i know what this area is i know what dallas area is i know what uh, uh, football means to this area and i
1: do know that uh, uh, we're the most visible team and so uh, everybody likes to uh, be a part of something that is substantive and uh, that's the cowboys
2: this year has to be a big uh, big part of it now this year's of course we have six regular season games in the playoffs we've got uh in my mind, almost the whole show ahead of us.
3: We've uh, we've got to have a situation where we can uh, really contribute now.
4: I've been to the Cowboys team facility, yeah. in practice facility. Really. I wouldn't be worried either
2: about him visiting <laughs> other places if I were Jerry Jones. Yeah. The place is really nice. And Marcus Anyways. has been there and, and made his uh, residence there, if he will. Uh, how about it? I mean, OBJ, he's, he's going to go on the tour here. It sounds like it's getting closer and closer to him finding some place to go. Do you think this is a critical move for the Cowboys to add that piece before
1: this stretch run? Absolutely, it is, and obviously this is the caveat of, of health. But it's hard to leave that. It's hard to leave uh, Frisco and the Star if you wanna if you wanna go. And OBJ is already polarizing, and to add him to the Dallas Cowboys, a team that's winning that has a legitimate chance to reach, I believe, the Super Bowl coming out of the NFC. And gee, I, I, I just heard uh, Mike T talk about how this defense could lead them, and I, I vehemently disagree. Uh, with the fact that a defense can lead you. You're going to have to score points to win a Super Bowl. That's really what it boils down to, and that's what we watch over the last over the last few years. Yes, Micah is going to be critical to making plays in critical times like we saw Von Miller do, like we saw Aaron Donald. But OBJ needs to be in Dallas, and I believe that this is the move, albeit him being healthy, that could catapult this team to get into a championship and having a chance to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Philadelphia has guys Mm. offensively, and they have enough offensively to put up points When that time comes that you need to. We watched this movie play out last year with the Dallas Cowboys. Defense was highly ranked, top five unit in the league, and the San Francisco 49ers came in there with Debo Samuel and more firepower offensively, and they were able to leave that stadium with a win, and defensively they were good enough to stifle Dallas' offense. They need Odell Beckham Jr. to make a run at the Super Bowl.
0: Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think their defense is that dominant, but clearly they're going to be going against some explosive offenses that can score. The yeah. sense of urgency to me is this. I wouldn't wait until he was healthy, guys. I've seen countless players in my career. Get him in the building right now. Manage the rehab. Have him out of yeah, practice so yeah. whenever he does play, he hits the ground running at And that's the part that doesn't make sense to me is, why are they waiting? Pay him right now. Uh,
3: the um, offense – doesn't need help in Dallas
0: thank you (laughs) okay
3: (laughs) they're great when Dak is playing they score a lot of points but that doesn't mean that you can't have help I think stockpiling like I said the Vaughn Miller example is a good one from last year and I guess Odell Beckham example is a good one from last year the Rams were good offensively they had possibly the best defensive tackle in the history of football oh they needed him no yeah, that's the point. Is but they the Rams needed, they needed him. Ended up, they did end up needing him. So I, I just don't want to overplay the idea that the Cowboys' offense is in trouble. Their offense is great. Oh, no, they it, they oh, no, no, better. But trouble. it's a
2: collision but, sport, right? Yeah. So uh, a necessity yeah. – Tomorrow, you know, was right. today's luxury. Yeah. It could be a luxury now. It might not look that way. What are you hearing? I, I'm being told right now that Jerry said they're meeting with OBJ Monday. Is that right, Ali, our producer? Ali. So, so it's, they're going to meet with OBJ. Jerry sounds like he's saying he's going to meet with Monday. OBJ on Monday. What is your sense of how quickly something will come together here for Beckham? I think it could come together next week.
4: I mean, the Cowboys are clearly very interested. Now. They have to see him healthy, right? You have to see how healthy he can be, how much he can help you. you got to talk contract. What are his expectations? If it's higher than – I mean, there's, a, there's certainly a price that makes sense and a price that doesn't. The Cowboys offense scored 21 touchdowns in the five games since Dak Prescott came back. That's a lot of Well, Hembo told me something. He says more than seven teams have scored all season. Cool. So it's a big number. Look, they, they are good. And, and uh, Jerry and Stephen Jones and, and half the roster has been out there saying, we want him, we need him. Fine, go ahead and get him. The, the expectation around the league is that that's where he lands. That's the most likely spot for Odell Beckham is the Dallas Cowboys. The questions are, when can he play, how well can he play coming off the
0: second ACL surgery, and, you know, is it going to be worth it? This is a missed opportunity for the New York Giants. They're going to need a receiver next year. I would be trying to sign him if I'm them. On a two-year deal, sure. not as a band-aid to make the playoffs this year. But that's by far their number one need. So I don't understand why they're not trying to bring him back. Well, as I we said, the, in Dallas he might be a luxury. In
2: with the Giants, he would be a necessity. That is for certain. In the meantime, hey Swaggu, Dominic, I, you guys, I got to show you KD last night. Oh. All right, just very quickly, quick Why basketball like highlight. That? We showed you the Lakers' loss earlier. Let me show you Kevin Durant last night, as the Nets are hosting the Magic. First of all, I mean, just let watch, just watch this little moment here, and literally, then we're going to get you. We're going to give you a close-up look at it, Dominique, Seven. as Kavon Harris is
3: in his face. Watch this again, because he's <laughs> is, is, is laughing at him. What do you think? <laughs> I love him so much. Oh, <laughs> I'm going have to pretend that fake humble. He's the nastiest this. player Look y'all ever this. seen.
1: Look at this. Give it to him, set back. Look at this.
3: That's up <laughs> That's the
2: rookie, Paolo Bancaro. KD at 36 through 3. He's 7 feet tall. Now, he is 7 feet tall. I was there in Brooklyn watching him warm up the other night. He's a legit 7 feet tall. That's 43 points. And now he knocks Me one more right. down. Kevin Durant finishes with 45 points. 5 assists, 7 rebounds. Nets win by 7. Here was KD
3: after. Just listen to this.
5: When do you know that you're in the rhythm for a binge like that?
0: Uh, When I wake up. <laughs>
3: you don't got to lie to him Don't give him that fake humble nonsense You this. woke up cold I, I woke up like it. this Can't yeah. nobody do that man yeah. Love him and I hope he yeah. can fire you guys up on Twitter too yeah. Keep I'm doing that. Hilarious
2: <laughs> when did you, I, We woke up feeling <laughs> dangerous today Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't June, All right, I hope you watched that game last night Marcus Jr.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> pace
2: that's uh yeah that was that was Kevin Grant doing things candidly only he can do. All right, 24th annual ACC Big 10 Challenge rolls on tomorrow night. You want to see Duke Ohio State, we've got it for you. You want to see Carolina Indiana, we've got it for you. Both Sonic Blockbusters are on ESPN and on the ESPN app. Meanwhile, first take is coming around top of the hour. Who's responsible for last night's clock management issues with the Colts? And can the Bills win a Super Bowl without Von Miller? Before we call it a day and hand it over to first take, I must once again ask what exactly was going
3: on here. <laughs> with the Jaguars mascot Dominic was. Oh, you wanna what what explain what's going on? I mean, that's called fun. I love it. Yeah. I'm not gonna shame that. Oh, give it to him. I'm I mean, not gonna shame that man. He's proud of his body. Show it all. Marcus.
1: I mean, it's just—it's just the—it's just, the, just the perfect definition of what happens in Florida, bro. Like <laughs> every, every time right, something comes out, the dude is in a thong, a mascot in a thong at a football game, <laughs> only for a team in Florida.
3: How you know it was a thong?
2: You can't say that's a man. It's a—it's a
3: jaguar. That's it's fair. a person in a jaguar dude.
1: suit. whole. it, dude, oh, it is not a person TV. in a jaguar
3: suit. It's a Person in a jaguar head. <laughs> it's clear enough. <laughs> <It's a jaguar. laughs> we'll see you tomorrow.
2: First take <laughs> now.